What's going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here with your Packers Daily Chat, coming to you live on the Cheesehead TV social channels. It is Tuesday. The Packers headed into the bleak off-season of our discontent, judging by the comments already here on the YouTube chat. And Lord knows Twitter is ablaze because Matt LaFleur has indicated that he does not anticipate making any changes to his coaching staff. Now, look, he will be having a full review of his staff and having exit interviews and going over everything. And look, last year we all thought Mo Drayton should be fired immediately after the game, and it took 10 days for Matt to do it. I'm not saying that he's going to make some drastic change after a week or so, but this will take time to play out as far as his review of everyone on his staff. But I know the lightning rod is Joe Barry. Everyone, pitchforks are out. He should be gone. The fact that he's not going to be, everyone's upset. And I understand it. They underachieved greatly on defense, especially the first half of the season. No question about it. They improved in the four-game stretch that got them onto basically the doorstep of the playoffs. And I would also say they played well enough to win that game on Sunday night. Yes, there are some frustrating moments in the second half, but overall, that's a game you should win with that defensive effort. But effort is an interesting word here because – I keep seeing how Joe Barry is so bad and Joe Barry is so awful, but I would also posit that it's not all Joe Barry. If you look at some of the effort, speaking of that word again, from his defensive players, you have to think uh, some of it has to be given to the players, some of that blame for the underachieving aspect of this defense. I mean, how many guys took a step back? Devondre Campbell is a perfect example of a guy who had an all-pro season last year, and you don't expect him to be the exact same dude coming back after you sign him to a contract extension. But the man did have more missed tackles in the first half of the season than he had all season prior. You can't deny Rasul Douglas took a step back. Now, finally, they got him into the right position, playing him on the perimeter after Stokes suffered his injury. But no one would sit here and tell me with a straight face that Rasul played as well throughout this season as he did last year. You can go up and down the list of defensive players. Adrian Amos was pretty much you know, a man on the side of a milk carton until that Vikings game last week. So, you know, some of this has to be put on the players. I understand Joe Barry needs to put them in a position to be successful. Uh, but there were plenty of times that you could point to where he did so, and the players straight up didn't make the play that was available to them. Another one who comes to mind, Darnell Savage. There's a play in that Buffalo game that repeats in my mind every time I hear Darnell Savage's name, where he has the ball carrier dead to rights in the hole, in the A-gap, actually, misses the tackle, and then the play ruptures for almost a 20-yard gain. Now, Joe Barry has the player in the perfect position to make the play. And when the player misses a tackle and it ruptures to a 20-yard gain, is that on Joe Barry? So, yes, no question about it. Joe Barry and his squad underachieved for a good part of this season. But it's Joe Barry and his squad. I understand Matt's desire to bring Barry back, to continue to try and improve from within. I understand fans' frustration with that approach. But let's not pretend that Firing everybody every single year is the answer. Look at the Browns. Look at the Texans. Look at some of these garbage poverty teams that you all want to emulate for some reason. 
I understand frustration, but I also understand wanting continuity. Matt's had his fair share of of turnover on his staff. He's fired two special teams coordinators. He let another defensive coordinator walk. He had some pretty massive upheaval on his staff last offseason, just last offseason. And that wasn't from firing. That was from guys getting opportunities elsewhere. I get wanting to build on what you've done this season. No, the results were not what you expected. They are not acceptable. But I understand wanting to continue to improve with the guys you have now spent a year working with and are going to try and refine and improve within, within the circle that you've created. I get that. Now, look, Matt's putting the pressure on himself. That's the other thing. People go, well, if that's the decision Matt makes, well, then he should be fired. You don't think he understands that if the results are the same next year, that the heat on his seat will be turned up significantly? He's making this decision knowing that full well. Again, I just I, I understand the desire after a really disappointing end of the season to let the uh, the axe fly, so to speak. But um, I'm begging Packers fans to take a 30,000-foot view here, draw back a little bit, and let it play out. All right? I do think some of the frustration also lies in the fact that it does feel like another wasted season. The Packers keep trying to run it back with Aaron Rodgers in the futile hopes of reaching another Super Bowl and winning another championship with their four-time MVP. But after the last three years, it feels pretty clear that that window is closed. That all they are doing is essentially prolonging the inevitable when they need to make that turn to another quarterback, whether that's Jordan Love or someone else. I mean, look at the Saints. Look at the Saints are going through. They're in a horrible cap situation. Their superstar quarterback has been retired, one they never got back to a Super Bowl with. And their coach is now their coach that they won a Super Bowl with is now taking interviews with other teams, and they're gonna have to uh, you know, get a draft pick for him. I mean, the Saints are in shambles. You want to be like the Saints? I don't. Just a little perspective. That's all I ask. How are we all doing in the chat? Good to see everybody. TKM is at his post. Always good to see. Um, Luke, what's up, man? Thanks for the Super Chat. Thanks for everything all year long, Nags. Only thing that has really affected this year was losing Gary. He was on fire before he got hurt. No question about it. And I thought... For the most part, the Packers did a pretty decent job of kind of maybe not staying afloat, but you know, trying to pivot there, whether it was picking up Hollins or having Enigbari kind of, you know, obviously got a lot more snaps and he certainly answered the call. He's got a lot of work to do, uh, but a promising rookie campaign. They got Walker out on the edge a little bit more. I mean, all these things are positives. Uh, but yeah, losing Gary, it's a major blow. He's your literally your best player on defense. So, you know, the fact that they did the work they did down the stretch and that you know winning streak without gary you know it's a pretty good testament to joe barry's ability um also you know it's frustrating because you look at the job they did in that playoff game last year that defensive effort with gary was beyond excellent you know you just hate that you come off of that effort and you start the season the way you do and i think the other frustrating aspect of it is you know you look at the intensity that defense played the physicality that defense played with against the Vikings and you know especially in the second half of that game on Sunday night 
it really felt like that was missing. You know, you got these nonchalant players having really dumb penalties costing you rather than a laser intense focus. And I know Matt said he's going to address it in the offseason. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what practical things you do to kind of try and instill that in these guys, but man, it's noticeable. Can't have that. Can't have it. Cannot. Uh, what else we got, folks? Justin, thanks for the super chat. Seems like they missed their window to trade 12 and clean up their cap situation. But like you said, players also underwhelmed. And I understand that some fans want to be all in or blow up, not middle. Yeah, I mean, the Packers were all in. They just didn't win it. See, that's the problem. People think all in means you automatically win. Uh, you don't. You can go all in and not win a championship, i.e. the Green Bay Packers from basically 2020 to now. I don't know what else to tell people. You know, maybe they didn't go in all the way on certain players that you wanted them to acquire. And Justin, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the great masses here. But, you know, all in doesn't automatically ensure anything other than you're going to have a mess to deal with after it's over. And that's where the Packers are headed right now. David, thanks for the super chat. Even though I had hope you could feel this season was a bust early, they felt soft all year minus one game. Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of agree with that. Um, certainly, on the defensive side of the ball, you would have liked to see a little bit more fire early on. Sure felt like they were, I don't even know if soft is the right word. I think lost is more the correct word. You know, the miscommunications in the back end in particular were very, very frustrating and egregious. TKM, always at his post. What's up, bud? Season is over. Can we now get back to puppy kitten belt bet results? Where are we at? Appreciate all you do, brother. Uh, the, the truth is, is that Olive has made it very clear she does not want a dog. And that's uh, been part of, the, part of the problem is trying to uh, decipher and decide which animal we're going to get. And um, young Olive has, has, has swayed many times. So uh, when there's something to report, you all know. Nicholas, thanks for the super chat. Is Matt Scheme the best thing that he brings to the Packers? Why are people talking about him giving up play calling? Well, Nicholas, people are talking about it because he was asked about it in his post game, or his sorry, his post his season ending press conference, and he said he yeah he's considered it. So I think people are going to talk about it because the coach has admitted that he's thought about giving up play calling. Um, is his scheme the best thing he brings to the Packers? Would never know because we've never seen his scheme. We've always seen his scheme married with what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. I'd love to give you an evaluation on Matt's scheme. Just haven't seen it yet. Um, that said, I think the best thing that Matt brings is was on display this year, even if Packers fans don't want to acknowledge it. Um, I've talked about it a lot here and on the radio. When you have a team that has lost five in a row, that is four and eight, where basically everyone in the world has counted you out, and you keep that locker room together, you keep that kind of group working day in and day out, week in and week out, and you start to turn the tide and turn that ship, the only reason that happens is because of Matt LaFleur. Whatever message he's sending, whatever message he's giving, the guys are buying in, and the guys are not going into the tank. They are not pointing fingers. That's a testament to Matt. And I don't. you can't quantify it. It certainly doesn't show up on a graphic on ESPN or on your Twitter feed, so people discount it. But it's a very real thing. 
And it's the thing I'm probably the most impressed with. The fact that they were sitting at what? There was a point we were talking about they had a 2% chance at the playoffs. You know, and then they run, have that mini run at the end of the year, and they sit there with a win in, in game. Now, yes, that loss is brutal, and that goes on Matt's record. No question about it. But that, to me, is what Matt brings to the table, and I don't think that should be discounted. John, thanks for the Super Chat. Just draft a guy from Georgia's defense, DIC would approve. <laughs> well, they drafted two of them this year, and, you know, pretty good results from uh, the first one. The second one finally got to play a little bit towards the end of the year. Maybe we'll see more of him next season. That'd be nice. Uh, let's see what else we got. Sir Alex of Hayden, thanks to Super Chat. The effort from the entire team this season was lacking. It makes you wonder how much of that is the players regressing and how much of that is the coaching staff's message and plan growing stale. I don't know. It's, like, it's so hard because I think I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, but you know, effort is such a hard thing to quantify and even kind of talk about because it's, you know, how do you, how do you judge that? I mean, I know there's the eye test and there's what we see and the feel of the moment of, oh, God, it feels like so listless and blah, blah, blah. But, man, I guarantee you when they're getting hit or they're making a tackle or the guys are blocking or whatever, it doesn't feel like low effort. They're going out there 100 miles an hour trying to make a play, trying to do their job. I don't know, but sometimes, yeah, it can look to us, the viewing public, it can look like, oh, God, they're so listless today. There is no effort. I don't know, man. It's a hard one. That's that's a hard one. Um, as far as like the coaching staff's message, let's go back to what I was talking about with Matt. Like maybe it wasn't the best, most res uh, didn't grab the guys the way it should have early in the year. But you can't then turn around and say, well, look at the kind of run they make. And did the coaching staff change their messaging? I mean, the only thing we can really say for certain on the outside <laughs> looking in is that we know Jerry Gray cussed him out at halftime in Miami. And that's just the defensive backs. But other than that, I have no idea what the messaging was. You know, that's what's so difficult to kind of really give any honest, truthful analysis when it comes to a coaching staff, because we don't, we're not in the meetings where we can barely see what they do during training camp practices. And then let alone in the regular season comes along, you don't see anything. So I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say. Joe, thanks for the super chat. Did Campbell and Douglas catch lightning in a bottle in 2021, then in 2022 revert to the level that led them to be available late in free agency in the first place? I'm sure that's something that uh, the Packers will try to uh, ascertain and or um, weed out. I think Rasul's still a really good player. I think Campbell probably played above his head a little bit, but I still think he's a lot better than he showed this year. Um, but Rasul, I think for a you know decent part of the first half of the season, I would say, yeah, he's probably played out of position. And I don't know what the plan was signing him to play him at nickel. I always felt weird to me. But even that said, he was not playing up to the standard he had set the year previous. But I think that's true for a lot of the guys. I think that's true for Savage. It's not like they paid him. You know what I mean? So, and we, I mean, hell, Jair himself was uneven at times this year. You know, I don't know. It's a, it's a, that's a hard thing to can pin down. Luke, thanks for the super chat. I have to ask favorite Radiohead song. Ooh, wow, we really are in the off season now, aren't we? <laughs> um, favorite Radiohead song. 
Man, that's tough. Probably uh, Man of War, which is an old school B-side that was never released until they did the reissue of OK Computer. I love that song. What else we got here, folks? What else we got? We need the I Love Gold era back in the red zone. Nick? Uh, yeah, well, we'll take that production, no doubt about it. One thing to remember, though, I keep seeing this clamoring for Nathaniel Hackett, and I understand it. Uh, but, you know, he was in charge of the red zone offense last year, and that offense fell off greatly from where it was in 2020. You know, I don't think just add Nathaniel Hackett is the answer. Now, maybe you could add to a potential solution and or improvement, but I don't think he's some magic key that turns that lock. That's just me. It's just guesswork on my part. Oh, what else we got here, folks? H. Carrington, what's up, man? Thanks for the super chat. For all the replays of the season's first offensive play, Watson was the one guy Sunday night who showed he corrected his mistakes. That's a really astute observation. That is very true. You talk about a man who came to play, led the team in receiving yards, made that big play down the right sideline. He's a guy who absolutely started one place and ended in a very different spot. No question about it. I will say, though, I mean, when we're talking about Rasul Douglas, I thought Rasul really took a journey from where he started at the beginning of the year to where he ended up. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about the boneheaded penalty, but I'm talking about his level of play. Um, but yeah, yeah, Watson certainly showed you the improvement, showed you how he uh, had grown and his development was very apparent. And look, you talk about an explosive playmaker who defenses are going to have to pay attention to. You can take it at any point. Yeah, there you go. And he proved it again on Sunday night. Jacob24, thanks to Super Chat. Listening to LA Sports Talk Radio and the guys are suggesting Matt LaFleur as a possible replacement if McVay leaves the Rams. That would be fascinating to watch play out, seeing as Matt literally just re-signed with the Packers. I'm not saying it's impossible. Maybe they give up a draft pick or two. And Matt was amiable to it and wanted to do it. Um, I mean, not, I highly doubt it, but you never know. This is the NFL, man. Jim Ursay literally turned around and handed the head coaching gig to some dude on television who happened to have played for him at one point. I'm not putting anything past the NFL these days. You know, maybe Kroenke goes, yeah, uh, Sean, who, who of your buddies would do a good job? And Sean says, oh, you know, Matt out in Green Bay. You know, Aaron's probably going to retire. They're in the end of that era. Maybe he wants to get out. Give him a call. Crazier things have happened. So, LA Sports Talk Radio, maybe it's crazy. Maybe it's not. Tyler, thanks for the super chat. If Matt LaFleur calls plays, what does the offensive coordinator do? I miss TDs. <laughs> well, you design plays. You, you work on sequencing. I know for uh, Steno this year, he did a lot. As far as the run game goes, well, that's been talked about a lot, both by Matt and by Aaron. Um, you know, same thing Sherm Lewis did back in the day when Holmgren was calling the plays. There's a lot of aspects to the game that you get your fingers into, so to speak. Um, put yourself in Goot or Matt Lafleur's shoes. I wouldn't be rushing to be four and twelve either. You're talking about so that feels like a uh, comment on the quarterback situation, and I would posit this. Um, the longer you keep Aaron Rodgers and then you lose Jordan Love, you're probably ensuring that that turn to 4-12 and happens a lot quicker. 
at least with Jordan Love, you have a guy who has been developing and could still improve and become even greater rather than casting about for decades looking for another quarterback. I mean, look at Miami, look at Denver, all these teams that are desperate for a quarterback and they just never can answer that riddle, so to speak. The Packers literally prepared for this by drafting Jordan Love. Like, that was the plan. Do the plan. The plan is right there. You did the plan. The plan is here. The plan. Here it is. Do it. Because all you're doing, all you're doing is treading water if you bring Aaron Rodgers back. Now, the contract is an issue. There's zero doubt about it. That's why many of us said last year was the time to trade him. I mean, I just don't know what else to tell you. When you have three seasons in a row come down to Aaron Rodgers making some errant pass in the biggest moment of the season, when you literally handed him a contract saying, this is why we're bringing you back. For these big moments, you are a four-time MVP. You're a superstar in the league. Here it is, the big moment, and you panic and throw it up the right sideline for an interception. Sorry, man. That's just, what are we doing here? What's the point? Rip the Band-Aid off. Start the new era with a guy you've been developing and has been in your system for three years and is ready to start. It is time. Execute Order 66. It is time. Sam, thanks for the Super Chat. So if Watson had been drafted in the first round, we would have made the playoffs. Damn. (laughs) One pick away. Those dastardly Vikings, they knew what they were doing when they wouldn't trade. That last pick in the first round. Mark, thanks for the super chat. Do you think Lazard is done with Green Bay given his presser interview? Mark, I'm glad you asked that because there's been a lot of discussion around that video. Um, I mean, I I always thought this was his last year regardless. And I will say this. I've seen a lot of kind of conversation around the fact that he didn't sign his tender over the offseason, right? And people have kind of framed it. Some Packers fans, some even some of the media have framed it as Oh, he was holding out in the hopes that the Packers would give him an extension. I don't think that's true at all. I think Lazard saw an opportunity. He has a very unique position given the fact that he was an undrafted guy and now had ascended into a major role on this Packers team on the offensive side. And because of that, because of the tender situation, he saw an opportunity not to go to Green Bay for the summer. And he took it. I think he always knew he was done after this year. I don't think he ever had any kind of hopes or like foolish dreams of the Packers offering some big extension. That's, I mean, this is total guesswork on my part, but I just don't get this. Oh, he held out and didn't get paid. Now he's like a scorned lover or some nonsense like that. I think he always knew this was the final year in Green Bay. He's going to do what he can and then he's going to hit the market next year. And look, there's going to be teams that are going to give him a contract. I just don't think it's going to be in Green Bay. Uh, TKM. Thanks again, bud. Okay, one more football-related. My fear is someone offers a boatload for Jordan Love. Does Goody move? What is the sell price, Pappies? That is kind of fascinating. Like, I don't know. I just don't think we've seen enough publicly of Jordan Love, like as a football public, both fan-wise and obviously like football exec-wise, that someone is going to make that move. But you know, it only takes one guy, right? It only takes one GM or one owner. I mean, if someone turned around and offered the Packers a first-round pick for him, I think Goody at least take, picks up the phone, you know, make, has that conversation. 
You know, I don't think anyone's going to do that. But yeah, at some point you got to start listening, right? You know, why, 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 why people got to? <laughs> I love it. Oh, let's see. The Packers. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it, KD. Brandy says, if I were love, I would request a trade. He just might. Um, I think there's a good possibility that happens if Aaron Rodgers indicates he's coming back. Um, to which the Packers can every way possible say, well, that's great, but we're not trading you. And then it gets interesting. Bill, thanks for the super chat. People keep saying Rodgers lost it, but those passive-aggressive comments are still elite. <laughs> I noticed it too, man. The little quip about the play calling on the final drive. Just a little final little... He used to do that with McCarthy all the time. Every big game. He always could... 12 is always good for a little passive aggressiveness at the podium after the game. Like I said on Twitter, I don't even... It's just like It used to really upset me, but now it's just like, you know, there's... Just 12 being 12. That's what he does. And you are right. Still elite. No doubt. Nags, do you think Packers fans are spoiled? A little bit, Daniel. Yeah, a little bit. But you got to remember, I have a very different perspective than much of, I guess, what would be the internet version of Packers fandom because it tends to skew younger. And a lot of fans, and there was a little discord of, discourse going on about this today on Twitter. You know, a lot of fans, they've only known either Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers or just Aaron Rodgers as their starting quarterback. Man, when you've gone through Randy Wright, you have a little bit of a different perspective, right? When you when you go through decades of losing, you have a little different perspective. So to me, yes, I embrace the whole t entitled town thing, right? Because Packers fans, I don't think many of the younger Packers fans appreciate what they have. I mean, the Packers, the Steelers, some like the Patriots and Ravens, like these are teams that have really good football DNA, good football franchises. Man, there are clown show organizations out there. You should be really thankful that you don't cheer for one of them. But yeah, man, but look, that's your that's through your experience, right? That's through your perspective. So I get it, man. I'm just an old man yelling at, at kids, like saying, like, oh, you should appreciate it. Like, I get it. I wouldn't listen to me either. If I was a 22-year-old with a Twitter account, I'd be like, who's this fucking guy? I, I get it. I totally get it. But, yeah, they're a little spoiled. A little bit. Uh, Mark, thanks for the super chat. What a great question. If 12 comes back, do you think he attends OTAs? No. Matt, thanks for the super chat. Not too familiar with this draft class, but with Mercedes possibly retiring, does Green Bay pull trig on a stud trigger? Pull the trigger on a stud tight end if one falls to us, or do we look elsewhere? I think they're always open to uh, whoever might fall to them if they provide upside and have talent and can. Okay, that's the PC answer, right? That's the press conference answer. I mean, yeah, if the value's there in the draft, I think they would look at it. Maybe they sign somebody in free agency. I know they were sniffing around tight ends. The last couple of years in free agency, just didn't like the money. It's rarely been a position that they seemingly want to invest big, big in. But hey, so was off ball linebacker for decades. And then suddenly they drafted Quay Walker with their first pick last year. So 
never say never, right? But yeah, I think there, there's a possibility that that position as a whole gets an overhaul. Uh, no doubt about it. Danny, get off my lawn, Nags. Yeah, right. I need to shut up. All right, everybody. I got to get going. I can't thank you enough for hanging out, talking Packers each and every day, Monday through Friday, right here on the Cheesehead TV social channels. Please do me a monster favor. Hit like on the video, subscribe to the channel, and then tell your friends and tell your family, Cheesehead TV, we are devoted to Green Bay Packers fans worldwide. Patreon members, carry the G Club members. I'll see you at happy hour. The rest of you, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Go Pack Go. Uh-huh.